The work you do in the shadows allow you to shine when you step in the spotlight. What's up, Competitor Nation? Welcome back to the Compete Everyday Podcast. As always, my name's Jake Thompson. I'm the Chief Encouragement Officer here at Compete Everyday, and you are host for the one and only show where we teach you how to compete every day, where we share insights so that you can lead better, and most importantly, you can start achieving more in your training, in your relationships, and in your life. I'm excited today to welcome Lucas Jaden of Train to Be Clutch, Lucas and his business partner, Joshua Medcalf, who you may be familiar with from Pound the Stone or Chop Wood, Carry Water, have just released a brand new book called When in the Dark. Lucas and I dive into kind of his background, what inspired the two of them to write that book, and, and most importantly, just what does it look like to dive into the dark, to explore those places not only in our mind, A lot of the times we think about doing the work in the shadows to shine in the spotlight. We think about like off-season training, about being alone in the gym, doing the work, staying up late nights or on weekends working your side hustle. But part of the work in the dark is from the mindset piece, digging back into the layers to see why we think certain ways, how we can build more self-awareness. And honestly, you'll get to sit in and what probably feels like one of Lucas's coaching sessions is he asked me a number of questions and we walked through that process of building that self-awareness, realizing why we do certain things that we do. The book Mindset by Carol Dweck was incredibly beneficial for me to read in order to build just honestly more self-awareness, to start seeing why I did certain things growing up why I did things in my 20s and and some into my 30s and and how I could start to curb certain behaviors that I wanted to change. Once I started to understand why I did what I did, once I started to address those things, I could start making changes to them. And so Lucas talks about that in today's episode. So I'm gonna challenge you to sit with it, act like you're in the chair. Lucas is asking you the questions. Take out a pen and paper, write down your answers, understand what you would wanna write there and how you would want to grow and develop as a competitor. To support this week's show of the Compete Everyday Podcast, you can do one of three super easy things. The first is go to thedailycompetitor.com and get signed up for our brand new free content program where three days a week, your own chief encouragement officer, that is me, will be sending you a short one paragraph to two paragraph emails to help you start the day with intention. Start the day with the right focus to show up and compete that day. We have a number of things in the pipeline for premium members of The Daily Competitor, but no, it is 100% free to get signed up and start getting those leadership development emails every week in your inbox to start starting days stronger, more focused, and building the right mindset for life. So thedailycompetitor.com is one easy way to support the show. Another super easy way is to go to competeeveryday.com and grab something. You can pick up a book, a flag for your garage, some new wristbands, stickers, or maybe even one of our brand new shirts like CEO of Hard Work or Something to Prove. Use the code PODCAST. We'll get you 15% off any order. And honestly, it's kind of cool to see that code come through and let me know that you know listeners, y'all that are consuming the show every week, the thousands of you that keep downloading Compete Everyday episodes, are loving the gear and merch as well. So grab a shirt, grab a copy of my book, use the code podcast, get yourself 15% off. 
and be on the lookout because we got some really fun things coming in the pipeline this month and into the rest of the fall, including the Win the Next Possession Journal. So be on the lookout for that. Code podcast gets you 15% off any order at competeeveryday.com. And then finally, the third and easiest way to help the support the show is to just share this episode with a friend. Post something on social media, tag us, send an email to a friend with a link to today's episode, encourage them to compete every day, to win in the dark so that they can start shining brighter in the spotlight. Now, that's all I got for you this week, man. I'm just glad to be back traveling again, speaking. I'm glad to be back recording new episodes of the Compete Every Day podcast. I love each and every one of you listening. I am cheering for you more than you can ever realize. Uh, I just want you to win. I want you to lead better. I want you to make an impact on those around you. I want you to achieve the things that you've set out to achieve. That is my life mission. Help you compete every day to do that, to create your best life. And I hope you're getting after it, doing it every day because there is someone right here in Dallas, Texas that is cheering his ass off for you. So now, without further ado, let's welcome to the show and talk about how to win in the dark with Lucas Jaden. Welcome to the Compete Everyday Podcast. How is your day going, my man? Hey, thank you, Jake. My day is going well here in Wisconsin. We're enjoying some some summer weather, and I'm grateful grateful to be with you. What what does summer weather in Wisconsin look like? Because in Texas, it's about 103. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with where I am, it's 80s, 80s to uh, 90s to 70s. It depends on the day, but. Uh, we'll take it all because when I'm shoveling snow in the middle of winter, dreaming about these days, uh, we soak them in. Yeah, yeah. It's same way here, except it's you know 60s and 70s around Christmas instead of the 100 degree heat. We don't we don't <laughs> quite get that snow here in Texas. But man, looking forward to today's conversation. Uh, you obviously do a number of things around the world of mental architect. Uh, you're a mental performance coach. Uh, you help teams, individuals, executives with their mindset. You've written uh, fantastic art and book. I would say art. It's book. Uh, when yeah. in the dark that you co-wrote with Josh Medcalf. And what I would love to do is first kind of flash back because I believe you started your career as a coach, girls yeah. basketball. Yes, right on. Yeah. So right what, what led you from initially starting coaching, direct coaching teams mm -hmm. to getting to the work you do now as a, as a mindset architect? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> it's funny because I, I always, I wish I had a beautiful story for that, but I, Honestly, it was a lot of suffering <laughs> for myself personally. I know I, I really valued coaching. And I think anybody who values human performance finds themselves inside of this mental game. I like to say in anybody who wants to do something at a high level, there's two games going on. Uh, there's the game that is in front of them where they're performing, where you know, you're reading cues and you're responding. And there's also the other game going on inside of our head mentally. One is you know, me versus whatever's in front of me. And the other one is me versus me. And um, for a while, I was really bound up in the game of me versus me to the point where I felt like more of my time and energy and focus was just on how do I get outside of my own head? How do I stop the suffering of thoughts that I couldn't ever seem to calm down? 
and I was missing just a lot of that presence and the, the gift of life. And so um, it was really first about diving into me. How can I help myself to unlock me to then be able to help my athletes? And uh, I was blessed to be able to coach some phenomenal athletes at Appleton North High School. And during that time, we had a really, really skilled and talented team. And I remember, I think it was my second year of coaching. Um, we got to what in Wisconsin was our sectional semifinals and two games away from state. First time we would have made it to state and performed just poorly. You know that feeling as a coach where we were supposed to, in quotes, beat that team. We beat them twice before, get out onto the floor and things just didn't click. Everything felt heavy. We were in a rut. And after that game, I remember looking at our coaches just like physically we, we were ready, but mentally what happened? <laughs> and, uh, and it was the first time where I really felt that punch in the face of the effects of being on defense when it comes to mental preparation instead of offense. You know, and we were so systematic in our offensive systems, our defensive systems. Uh, but when it came to the mental end, that was just kind of left up in the air. And so from that moment, we really committed to unpacking the mental side of things. And that's when I met my partner, Joshua Medcalf, uh, started reading some of his books, which at the same time, simultaneously were helping me to unpack myself and my own baggage that I had uh, along with me. And so I was experiencing this great growth personally and a little bit more freedom as well, and then started to package it for our athletes and Fast forward, we made it to the state competition the next year, and then the two years after that ended up being state champions. And it was like the mental side of it just unlocked some of this. And so that was from there as a coach, you know, I just started teaching it for free to people. Is that anybody that was willing to, to listen? I had my first guinea pigs as all entrepreneurs do. And then after that, got my first clients and went full time into this about four years ago now with my partner, Joshua, and uh, the rest is history. I love that. I love that. Well, you guys have had some incredible success as you continue to grow, train to be clutch, and, and just the work you do around helping teams develop that mental side. And as you talked about, uh, your team was missing it. Do you, do you remember that early team? Do you remember your own playing days as an athlete growing up? Uh, just some of those early struggles where now you look back on, you're like, oh my gosh. If I just known this at, you know, 14, 15, what could I have done differently? Like, how would I have performed? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think <laughs> I wish I could go back and just share a few pieces um, because I was so far trapped in what we call mental prison. And mental prison to me is this space when you get to in the middle of whatever your darkness is, we call it the dungeon state, where when you wake up and everything just seems dark, just seems harder and heavier for no apparent reason, just the lens that you're viewing the world through, um, I would like to say it's crap stained. <laughs> um, and at the time, social media was just kind of coming around. I thought that meant something when I was experiencing those moments personally, I thought the way that I articulated them to myself is something's broken with you. You know, Lucas, something's wrong with you. On the outside, you're seen as the leader. You're seen as the hard worker. You're seen as the one that has it all together. Then what is going on internally? And I think 
everybody might get to this point where they feel like they're a fraud internally. And for me, that was, it, it was a lot because competitive driven people a lot of times are taught to control things. And I was really good at controlling my external situations and circumstances to reflect what I wanted other people to see in me. But internally, there was this battle. And I think um, the level of awareness that really woke me up was the thought and the realization that you are not your thoughts. You know, <laughs> like it's just wild that with everything going through my mind, those thoughts of you don't have what it takes, what if this goes wrong, that those weren't me. And I don't have full control over those thoughts because if I did, then I would have stopped them a long time ago. But rather becoming the witness of those thoughts, whether they're comfortable or uncomfortable. And anytime we're going to do something that is growing, we're going to be in an uncomfortable situation. And our mind is built, our brain is built to predict and protect. So of course it's not going to like uncomfortable situations, which give root to the plethora of different thoughts that keep us trapped in mental prison. One of them being, I'm not enough. And you can fill in that blank. And anytime that we operate from that belief system, we're going to develop a lot of compensations. And for me, that was always working harder. And I'm not, working hard is incredibly important, but when it, working hard becomes your identity and you can only be okay when you're better than another person, it's just a fast way to, to lose yourself. And that's kind of where I was. So for me, that, um, that conversation would have been around awareness of what are, who are you? You are not your thoughts, you are not your emotions, and to release the grip that they had on me at that time to then be able to focus on what was in front of me. And uh, th that would have been my focus. Um, I like to kind of use the analogy of like a hose. I think all of us are absorbing a lot of energy at any given moment. That hose is like the faucet of energy coming into us. When we're flowing, it's like uh, a stoplight of being at the color green. Energy is happening and we're processing it right through us. But when we screw it up is when we kink the hose and we start to wrestle with the thoughts and fight them and fight the emotions. And it's like a hose that's now kinked. And for me, when I was in high school, there was a lot of pressure built up through the kinking of the hose. And I would have trained myself to one, be aware, and then two, train myself on how to uh, relax and release and trust that life is working for me and not against me. So long answer to your question, but, uh, I spent a lot of time thinking about that question. No, 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 no. An incredibly helpful question or answer, I should say as well, is because I, I would find a lot of similarities in my own journey as well. Being the competitive guy, living in that constant state, honestly, of comparison, of, of always comparing yourself to where someone else is. How can I beat that person? I've got to beat this person even if that person has no idea that you're competing against them for any reason, but in your head you are. And so uh, I can absolutely relate to that. And obviously that from my own self-reflection years later is why I struggled heavily with identity after sports. Where yeah. would, where is my identity if I was no longer the quarterback, if I was no longer the team captain, like what was I, who was I at that point? Yeah. So 100% can relate to that. And I, and I love how you led with the awareness piece as well as that conversation, because for a lot of us, developing that self-awareness is so crucial of just 
not even when we have those thoughts, but starting to talk to ourselves to identify, well, why am I thinking that? Why, yes. why does it matter so much? It, what is one thing that you try to do to encourage your clients and teams in terms of how they can build their self-awareness? Because mm-hmm. a lot of think listeners, I think, have heard us talk about it and they see people talking about it. And I know Gary yeah. Vaynerchuk is huge in the entrepreneurial space around self-awareness, yeah. but they're like, okay, that's, that's great. But like, where do you start? Because you don't know what you don't know. No, that is, that is absolutely fan, a fantastic question. Um, and the way that I would, I would break that down is first off that self-awareness is a superpower. When you get put under pressure, you don't, you, know, you don't rise to the occasion. You sink to the level that you've been trained at. But not only that you're trained at, you'll go back to your defaults if you're not trained. And so su- self-awareness is a superpower. But now what does that look like? And the way that I work one-on-one with our clients is I work with very high-end people that have done their work. They've tried all the tricks. And believe me, I, am, I believe in visualization. I believe in meditation. I believe in hypnosis for people. But at a surface level, you cannot solve an internal problem with an external solution. And so we want to unpack internally what are the things that are getting in the way that are giving rise to us thinking we even have a problem to begin with and get to the root cause. So a lot of times what I find my clients is they're exhausted by like the band-aids that they've tried. They've tried this solution. And I know that feeling because when I was stuck internally inside of myself, I tried everything. I tried praying more, I tried positive thinking, I tried beating the crap out of myself, I tried like all the superstitions to like get a clear mind, in quotes, and none of it worked over time. But it it just doesn't make sense because external things can't hear us internally. So to answer your question, if we go back to it, what I would say is, what is your little person voice? What is that voice inside of us and inside of you that is constantly churning, that's part of all humans, built on fear, based on insecurities, inadequacies, that we are pre-installed with, that is constantly rolling. So if I asked you that question, you know, you're an entrepreneur, I can hear in your talks, and your words, you're passionate about what you do, but man, I know COVID had to be a challenging bump. And so for you, what I'm wondering is like, what would your little person voice. What does that sound like for you? Yeah, you know, in terms of the inner dialogue that I would hear that I would have to, I would say push back or learn to talk back to from a a negative standpoint would be, uh, you started too late. You're never going to get it going because, you know, you missed your boat. If you'd done this five years ago, you wouldn't be in the position with COVID now. Like everything that makes you think, that you're in the wrong place, that you're not doing the work, that you'll never make it. Like those little voices. But that's been the voice that I've had to learn to talk to, which is funny because you have to learn to address of, I'm working the process. I've done the work. So so because you're you're really good at that, where did, how early did that start for you? In terms of talking back to it or, or initially hearing it? Initially hearing it in that, you know, I'm not enough like that. I've got to figure it out. When did that start? Ooh. So that, that's a great question. Probably really early on. Uh, and I say that from being an only child growing up, 
Uh, my mom was a little more strict with me looking back. We've laughed now than she would have been. So socially it was like being that acceptance, which is, I know a common theme with a lot of athletes, that validation, that external validation. Uh, and then it got to the point through competition that my coaches knew the way we push Jake, the way we get the most is to challenge him of like, yeah. well, you can't do that. Or so-and-so is more talented. And I'm like, yeah, I got you. And yeah. so that was that constant drive of, comparing myself competing trying to compete against all of these other people um, sure. forever yeah absolutely and that's kind of a and that is the evolution of once I finally get something then I will be accepted and I can accept myself yep. uh, and you dig back so first with the client or my clients is we got to work backwards to talk about what are the roots in these beliefs that we learn that who I am is not enough and so because of that whether it's I don't belong whether it's I'm not enough, whether uh, it's just a, a form of scarcity, what happens is we set this bar that once I reach that, then I can finally live the life I want. Meaning whether at ease, happiness, fulfillment, feel good about myself. The problem with that is I've never met anybody who's living in their future. Yep. So if your future is always in, your idealized future is always out there, you are never going to be good enough. So our life becomes this revolving door of like guzzling salt water. And from a performer's sake, there are some people who are like, well, yeah, but that's what drives me. Um, and, but then I'll always ask them, but have you ever operated on the flip of that, of I'm good? Because when you're good personally, it unlocks you to go all in because the person who is operating to prove themselves is always still operating out of fear. Fear of what do I look like? Fear of what if this goes wrong? Wow, that's going to be an embarrassment. We have words that uh, we've labeled it the twin thieves. A, a coach and a friend of mine named Steve Jones shared this with me. And I started asking teams over and over again, what's the toughest mental challenge you face to being at your best? And we got all these points of data and it came down to over and over again, number one, fear of failure, but even deeper, like, Fear of failure is not something that we are inherently born with. When you watch my son who is three years old, he fails relentlessly and he doesn't give a dang. He yep. just gets back up and he does it again. But somewhere in our journey, we learn that failure is not okay if you want to be loved and accepted. Yep. And then that fear of judgment kicks in. And it's the greatest thief because I truly don't believe there's anything that's robbing us more of our potential and our um, becoming our best than fear of what other people think. And so if we go into, you know, we look at your story, it's a matter of what are those revolving little person thoughts. And so present day, what did you say yours kind of were again? Will you bring it back to me? Yeah, it, along the lines of you started too late you'll, you'll yeah. never catch up, get to that level except yeah. through COVID. Yeah. Okay. And so just right there, what I would have you do with as, as one of my clients is write that down because our mind is incredibly deceptive and it will justify it to be correct. Yep. And it's amazing. I've met so many people that will literally argue with me to why that is going to be right. <laughs> like they are actually arguing for their own demise, but the little man voice or whatever we'll call it, little person voice is incredibly powerful and it will give you every bit of evidence back in your history to why it should be right. 
So you started too late. When that is your predominant thought, first off, what is the weight of that when you're going through your day-to-day? Oh, I mean, it, that's, it's pressure on you to, you have to catch up. There's not enough hours in the day, which can obviously create the burnout or, or going 24 seven or on the opposite end of that. It's the fear of lack of motivation that, well, if you're already too late, what's the point of starting? Yes, absolutely. And, and so in the absence of that, in the absence of that thought of I started too late, or what if you would have done this? In the absence of that, if you dissolve that, because if I would ask you this, is that 100% true, yes or no, that you started too late, is that true? No, absolutely not. No, and so we need to bring inquiry to these beliefs because for a lot of people, they're operating first unaware, and then two, they're just believing them to be true, which when you believe that thought to be true, you're putting yourself in mental prison. Um, So... Is it true? No. Uh, Then what becomes available to you in the absence of that lie? Space to write something new, the creation. Absolutely. And what a beautiful place, right? Um, To be able to operate from. And it's not like in that spot, you're just going to chill back and be like, yeah, I'm going to quit the grind. Uh, I'm going to stop. That's not how you operate. It's going to be intentional though. Most people in that I come across initially are still operating out of old fears because past hurt informs future fears. And when we operate from that place, most people are operating from unconscious reactions instead of conscious creations. And when you operate from that, you are always just trying to keep your head above water, which is playing it safe. And so that might mean immediate money now, but you're sacrificing a big deal down the road or whatever that might be for you. And so that is, that's really when I talk about self-awareness to come and wrap up that question is to write down your thoughts just for like a day and just write them down non-objective or objectively, non-judgmentally. And it's amazing how we can almost laugh at the thoughts that are running our mind for long, but write them down and then bring inquiry to them, questioning them, is that 100% true? If it's no, you only can answer yes or no. When it's no, ask yourself, what does it cost me to believe this lie? And then the third thing is, who am I in the space that's free of that limitation? And then just see what comes available. I love that. I love that. Well, and, and I have, I want to ask you a question along the lines of that. Yeah, because a lot of our listeners are high achievers. They're they're yeah. pursuing more. They're pursuing excellence in their career, their training. And what I've heard you talk about a lot of one of the pillars within your organization is gratitude. And, yeah. and if I'm hearing you correctly, you can strive for more. You can constantly be looking to pursue your full potential, but you have a better chance of reaching it or uh, uh, leveling up for say, if you do it from a place of gratitude for the opportunity and the life versus the, I need to prove someone wrong or I'm afraid I'm going to fail. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, I would say that that's absolutely, I'll just, from my story personally, being the person that was always striving and still am like, Believe me, I want my clients to win. I want them to make more money. I want them to get the best they can be. But I I just had to experience that feeling of burnout personally. And I think that the, the push, the drive to win without gratitude 
and without awareness of, of life in itself is what is leading so many people, maybe with achievements, but also exhausted. You know, how many people are experiencing adrenal burnouts and diseases related to cortisol and overloads? Because yeah, in the name of this mission or this why to win more games, they are killing themselves in the process. And not only themselves, but I forget the coach who talks about the trail of tears. And I just always ask my, my coaches, who do you want your trail of tears to be? Because when you commit yourself to a big mission, our mind can justify any reasons to it. But very often, in my opinion, too often, our trail of tears becomes our family, who we care most about, because we had to do the next thing. And so when I look at this, um, gratitude in my eyes comes from reverence to life itself. Like when you really think about it, let's say, you know, the science is life is 13 billion years in the making. Um, that took a lot of years for us two to be on the same conversation together. Yep. And if my great, 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 great grandfather and grandmother didn't get together, I wouldn't be here. So when you start thinking about all the small details that you had no control over, but still gave us this opportunity of life, there starts to become a, a greater reverence and trust in life. Let me, a uh, question for you that I ask my clients is, do you trust, what do you believe? Do you trust that life's working for you or do you believe it's working against you? I've always considered it more neutral, which, because I, I look at myself as part of a bigger picture. So I don't necessarily consider it working again. I don't actually believe it's working against me. So uh, what part of bigger picture? So from a, a faith standpoint, I believe what I do here has ripple effects and the people yeah. that I impact as being part of, of a bigger picture from a faith perspective and, and what points to a higher power in God. And so, yeah, I don't see it working for me, but perhaps for the greater good, yes. Um, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so I, that's kind of how I'd sit on there. Uh, but if I had to choose four against, absolutely, I would say four yeah. um, with the intention that I just can't sit and wait on it to happen for me. Oh, gosh, yeah, and absolutely. And so what we're looking at is if you believe life is happening against you, your, your journey is going to be a constant suffering. It all, whatever we resist creates suffering. Yep, and yep. so what I try to align with my clients is your incredible hustle, incredible work ethic. If you want to be in the top 1% of what you do, it only is logical that you need to be willing to sacrifice more than the 99 other percent. Um, that is truth. But if you are going to fight reality and fight life, there's no chance that you're going to be able to focus continually day after day with what it's going to take to achieve it. And so what I'm challenging people to do is have that resilient um, focus on your work ethic, but then to be in a place of surrender. Surrender meaning that you're going to work and then trust that whatever happens is exactly what should happen. I mean, how many times when I look backwards, was I in a position going, that should not have happened in my life? only for it to turn out to be better for me in the long run. Without a it's doubt. It's almost wild to me that as humans, we have the audacity to think we know what's best for the world when we are a tiny microcosm of this whole, whole thing. And so what I'm challenging our people to be is 
yes, commit to your process, but then find ease in trusting that life at minimum is that neutral, if not working for you. Because when you can get on the momentum of life and couple that with your, your work ethic, to me, you find a level of ease internally um, while simultaneously making that progress forward. And so that is it. We have a triad that I work with with our clients. The first part is choose. Do you know what you want? Like go after, can you choose and clarify it? Because when you get focused on what you want, that helps to clarify what things you can say yes to and what things you can say no to. If you want to be a state champion, there are just decisions that you must say yes to if you want to get there. Um, that's choosing. The second leg is hustle. This is, are you good at getting uncomfortable? Are you willing to work harder than what the average person is if you want to be elite? There's nothing wrong with not wanting to be elite. Um, and most of my clients have those two things figured out. The area where we have to work the most is that third leg, which is surrender, which is how do you still find ease and trust in this process to not beat yourself up internally in that inner game so that you can be more present and focused when you are needed at your best at the game in front of you. Love that. I love that. And, and that's uh, honestly one of the things I've enjoyed about prepping for today's show of hearing you share that triangle, especially that surrender piece. Because when I first heard it, I was like, oh, now, wait a minute. What about, <laughs> what about the hustle piece? Like, what about the things that are still in my control? But the way you just framed it there, I think is perfect for our listeners because a lot of them have probably strived and, and looked for that. Well, what, how do I like work hard and, and want more, but still be happy? And, and that's that surrender piece, which I think is incredibly valuable. Lucas, you have a brand new book out called When in the Dark. And, and one of the things I'd love to hear from your perspective of what challenged y'all to write this book, but really when our listeners first see it, they may have a similar idea that I did. And, and when I first heard about y'all producing this and before it was released and I saw the cover and I was like, oh, well, this is like what we talk about when we say, you know, you've got to grind in the shadows of the off season to, to shine under the glory lights of game day. But it's not necessarily just about being willing to work in the off season so you can prepare for the game day. It's sometimes about the inner work and, and the dungeon that you talked about as well. And so what I'd love to hear is, one, what really compelled you to write this? And, and two, what is something that the listeners could expect after picking up a copy? Yeah, that's a, uh, a great question. I would, I would say first off that what compelled me to write it is that, and anybody that's written a book, I know you have Jake and it's such a process, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that's a mild way to put it, yes. Um, so the relief of getting it out of my head and out of Joshua's head and on the paper um, and people, you know, wanting me to share the info verbally, now there's a, a copy that they can get into their hands and, and share. Um, so that was just really the first piece. But I think the big thing was what we have already talked about is that there is definitely the need to work. Things are not, you're not going to be given things, but at the same time, I don't know a lot of people that aren't in this day and age buying into the process. Now, sure, there are, there are kids during this day and age of social media where it's harder maybe to um, even realize that there is a lot of work behind the scenes, uh, the unnoticed, unthanked hours. And so, and I shouldn't say kids just, right? It is everybody. And even to promote and create this 
this podcast. We're going to be on for this time together, but the hours that go in behind it for you prepping and you doing the work, that's just unseen. And so we wanted to bring light to that, um, that if you're wanting those moments in the bright lights, the winning in the dark piece is only the price of admission. It doesn't guarantee anything. But even deeper, uh, I can remember my first Major League Baseball spring training conversation. Um, we did our, Joshua and I did our, our thing to the whole organization. And then afterwards, we did an optional group where guys from the pro team down to like the single leg group could come and just ask questions. And we have this group sit around a circle, and there's probably 15 to 20 guys. And some of them that year are going on to making millions of dollars to pitch. And other guys are trying to figure out how they're even going to put ends together. So you have a wide variety of guys. And we asked them, what is the toughest mental challenge? And we went around the circle. And if you didn't know their names and where, what team they were from, you would never have known the difference because all the mental challenges were the same. It was the fear of failure, the fear of judgment, the fear of letting people that I care most about down. And one of the guys spoke up and he was like, look, I can get out here for eight to 10 hours a day. And yeah, that physical part is hard. It is pushing me, but it's baseball. It's what I love to do. The real challenge is when I go home at night, when I lay my head on the pillow, I'm separated from my family. And all of a sudden the work is done. The physical work is done. And I have to be okay that I did my best today and that's all that I could do. And that is what drives me crazy. That is what I beat myself up about. That is where I wake up the next morning and go, did I even sleep? Because I was so inside of my head. So it's the moments of stillness where we need to get better at. And that's the dark. And so in baseball, just as an example with my clients, that's when you're 0 for 2 and you're out in the outfield knowing that you're coming up the next inning, how you're approaching that mentally. Are you good with stillness? Because we're really good with just numbing it out when we can put in the earbuds, you know, go watch a podcast. But when it comes to performance time, it is usually just you and your thoughts. And so the mental in when in the dark, it was how do we get below the surface of just the cliche message of win when nobody's watching and work when nobody's watching to what's going to slow you down in the dark and let's bring awareness to it and then a mindset and a skill set to help working through it. And uh, I guess I would wrap that up with I got a voicemail from a coach uh, from North Carolina where his uh, just actually this was just yesterday in. He told me that a few of his athletes took their own life over the weekend. A few. That, that's not, I had, I played it twice so my wife could listen to it. And I, I, I listened to that and I literally, it makes you want to just break down right there. Because when you think about what we're doing as coaches, as leaders, to me, the dark sports are just a way to help our people to win in the dark when they need it most. And for those athletes, I don't know, I don't know the story yet. And it's just such a, it makes my stomach curl anytime that young athletes pass away. Because in my mind, if we could reach them, if we could wrap our arms around them, if we could equip coaches with the mindset and the skills of how to help and coach up people in the dark. I live in this idealistic world that I wouldn't get any more of those calls anymore. And um, to me, that is 
what Win in the Dark is about, is in your toughest moments, are you able to stay free, keep your heart open, and show resilience? And sports are just a training ground for that to happen. Um, and that's what the tool of Win in the Dark is about for me. Well, thank you uh, incredibly for sharing that and that, that tough news, uh, especially with that team. Um, and you're, you're right in terms of sports and sports being the training ground. Uh, and honestly, for, for most of us, it's the safest training ground we ever have. And, huh. and to be able to build the resilience and the mental skills and, and the ability to stay present for when life hits. And, and we see that currently as adults right now going through the middle of COVID. And, and we talked kind of off air prior about uh, some other coaches that, that we know in the space and athletes dealing with cancellations and canceled seasons and changes mm -hmm. and like sports, giving them the opportunity to learn things that right now adults have no idea how to handle and <laughs> mentally are not equipped for it. Uh, and so, yeah, so for coaches listening to this athletes, all listeners, especially you have your reason right there when you should pick up a copy of this brand new book, Lucas is the best place to grab the book on Amazon, your website, where should our listeners go yeah. to grab their copy today while they're listening to this, get out of your car when you're done and grab a copy <laughs> on your phone. Well, I, I first off would just want to appreciate anybody who's spending their time to listen to me already this far into the episode. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the best places would be either Amazon or our website. We can send you signed copies in groups of three from a website, but Amazon is great too. I just am so grateful for all the people that are, are diving into it. And if you're spending time in our work, I just really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, and, and in true form, you guys pack some powerful lessons through story format, which is incredible takeaways. Uh, so Lucas, wrapping things up today for our listeners, where's the best place to get connected with you? Maybe follow along your work uh, as well as I know you have more to create in that body of yours, writing yeah. in the pen creation as well through your clients. Where can we find out more and best get connected with you? Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. And the, the best place for me is, uh, at our website, trainedtobeclutch.com or at Lucas Jaden, uh, at Lucas under slash Jaden on Twitter or Instagram. And so those are the best spots uh, where to reach me. And uh, I look forward to getting any feedback from your listeners and however I can support them. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for carving out time to be on the show this week. Everyone listening, go grab a copy of Win in the Dark today. You won't regret it. It could be a powerful tool to help you continue to level up and compete every day. Lucas, thanks for joining. Now, thank you so much, Jake, for having me and for all the work that you are doing uh, to help make this world a better place. Appreciate it, my man. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Every Day podcast. To get in touch with me or the show, email us at podcast at competeeveryday.com. Join our free Facebook community and get connected with other ambitious leaders working to win their work, their workouts, and their life. Be sure to visit us at facebook.com slash groups slash compete every day. Until the next episode, keep competing every single day because your life is worth it.